If you will, take your Bibles and turn to uh, John chapter 13 and verse 5. As we talk about great service, some of you are saying, that sounds familiar. If you were resolute uh, last week, you heard some of this sermon, not all of it. It'll be quite different. But I want you to, uh, God just wants me to share this with you. I think it's important that the church at large hear this. And uh, it'll be different. But uh, hopefully it'll, it'll remind us of what's really important. Great service. You ever been to a restaurant and got great service? Raise your hand if you got great service. I've been in play great service. How does that make you feel? Makes you feel pretty good? Makes you feel like you want to go back and, and you begin to feel, hey, I, I like this place. They treated me well. It was, you know, it was, it was good. And, and, you, uh, and then you've sometimes been in places where you got bad service, and, and we all know that story. You won't ever go back. Uh, but great service is important. Great service is, is a key to being effective and, and productive in life. And I think today we need to be reminded of that as believers in Christ. How does that really work in our life? Great service. Um, opportunities all around us. They wait for us. Sometimes we see them and sometimes we don't. I, years ago I was driving down, a, Charlie and I were riding down the road and we saw a car off to the side. And it wasn't, it obviously it was having car trouble. A young guy got out and it was, a, it was a neat little sports car, but he got out and just you could tell he was struggling, so we stopped, and I said, man, what can I, I came went over and said, what's going on, what can I do to help you, can I, can I take you somewhere, the reason I asked, could I take you somewhere, is because he did not want me to touch his car, I'm not a mechanic, uh, I couldn't help him with anything, but I could take him somewhere, and he was kind of telling me what his car was doing, he wasn't sure what was wrong, and, and so I said, well, I'll be glad to take you somewhere, uh, or call, you know, whatever we can do, and so, um, about that time, uh, my father-in-law came by, and, and he uh, realized he saw me and recognized me, and he stopped, figured we'd help, and, and so he is a mechanic. He's pretty good. He can fix anything, and so he said, well, let's take a look at it. Pop the hood. Let's look at it, and so we popped the hood. The guy's in there, and uh, uh, Ray figured out maybe it just need to put, get the carburetor started, and what we'll do is we'll pour a little gas in the carburetor. When I tell you to turn the key, turn the key at the right time, and we'll see what it does, and so... Uh, the guy in his anxiety turned the key too quick. And the result is while the gas being poured in, combustion took place and a fire broke out all over his engine. I mean, it was fire. It was just, it was just a blazing fire. And, I, you know, it's like we, we all got out of the way. We stood back. And then here's how good it is. Another guy comes by. He sees the fire. He jumps out with a, with a big old rope and starts beating everything around. And, you know, and, and uh, the rag had caught fire and it had been thrown. And it was just, so it was kind of a, you know, a real memorable moment that I'll never forget. Uh, last time I stopped and helped somebody with a car. Uh, but no. But the thing is. There's a responsibility to serve. I'll tell you the end of the story later on. God, God's car didn't get cranked that day, but that's not the best part of the story. I want you to know, great service. John 13, verse 5 says this. And Jesus has come together with the disciples, and he's uh, uh, 
going to do something incredible with them. Um, it was time for supper, and, and, and things were beginning to take place. And uh, he gets up from the table, takes off his robe. He wraps a towel around his waist. And here, verse 5, and the New Living Translation says this. And he poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands, my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him, and that is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he he put on his robe and again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. The opportunity to serve others is a privilege and a responsibility. And serving is for every follower of Christ. Every follower. Now, I say that because I think we need to sometimes take an inventory of how we're doing in our serving and what we're doing and how that looks from the one who's evaluating our service, which is God. First of all, Jesus is the ultimate example of serving and sacrifice, modeling humility and love. That's the first thing. The um, Jesus said to the guys, I've just set an example for you. We've come into this room, and as custom is, Jesus deliberately acted as each disciple waited for the other to wash their dirty, stinking feet. Feet are a dirty thing. In this day and culture, they wore sandals and, or, or some uh, uh, type of form of shoe, not like we wear today. And so, in the consequence of traveling from one place to another, uh, the feet got dirty. I mean, they got nasty dirty. They got stinking dirty. And so, when you would come to someone's house, it would be the custom for uh, the lowest of the slave to, um, to wash feet. And everybody's assembled at this place. And and this was custom, so you can understand the disciples are beginning to look and see who's going to wash the feet. I mean, they're looking around for the slave. There's no slave there. And you got to believe they're looking at one of them saying, I ain't washing your feet. And I ain't washing your feet. And I'm not washing your feet. Nobody's ready to grab the basin and the towel and wash feet except Jesus. After some time has passed and it's understood that there seems to be no one there to wash feet, Jesus goes over deliberately and picks that basin up, the water, and he has a towel around his waist, and he fulfills that job designated for a slave. 
the master teacher, the miracle worker, the Lord of heaven and earth, the creator of our universe and coming king who washed 12 pairs of feet. That's pretty amazing. You got to get that picture. In a room where men have determined, I'm not going to do it. Somebody else can do it. Somebody else better do it. Jesus said, I'm the one that's really going to do it. And you can imagine the shock and the discomfort when this teacher and Lord, because they called him Lord, takes the basin. The one, the least (laughs) probable one to wash feet, washed feet. It was an amazing example of humility and love. He certainly, his position didn't require it. His personhood didn't require it. But he was willing to wash dirty feet. To teach, number one, what I've done, you do. None of us have such a position in life we don't serve. And so he says, you serve. And and look at this. He said, now, Peter, and he comes to Peter. He starts washing the feet, and the guys are kind of, okay, we're going with this. And he gets to Peter, and he says, you're not going to wash my feet. He's thinking, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with this. I I don't know what this is going to mean in the end. I I, I don't get this, and this shouldn't be happening. This is not the proper order of things. And he's struggling with it. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you're not going to be clean. And he's saying, you don't get the whole symbolism of what I'm doing, Peter. You don't understand yet, but one day you will. Actually, when I go to the cross, you'll understand what this is all about. Because not only was he literally serving in humility and love, it was also a shadow of the cross. It was a humble service. It would reflect his humility and his service to God the Father on our behalf for our sins. And he would die on a cross. And in his dying on the cross, he would cleanse us from our sin. He would cleanse us from that stuff that makes us dirty before God. Whatever they may be, how much it may be, that is what he's talking about. He's saying, I'm here to cleanse you completely. And if I don't wash you, Peter, you don't belong to me. That's significant. Until we come to the point of realizing Christ died for our sins and in his blood and his sacrifice and his suffering, he covered us and made us right, made us clean before God, we will never belong to him. There must be that moment of faith where we finally say, here I am just as I am without one plea that your blood was shed for me and I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you my sin and all that it is and here it is, I give it to you. The washing of feet would symbolize the total washing of the soul from the stain and the smell of sin and to reject Jesus' offer is to refuse a relationship with him and his forgiveness. It can't be without that. And so there's no way to have a relationship with God apart from letting Christ do his cleansing work in your life. Has to happen. If it does not happen, you do not belong to him. I don't care how much you try to clean yourself and how much you try to smell better, look better, act better, think better. It doesn't matter. If he does not cleanse you, if he does not wash you, you're not clean. If he does not take away your sin, then you have your sin no matter what else you may do. He laid aside his robe and got on his knees and humbly washed feet. 
in a matter of uh, hours, he would willingly lay down on, on a cross and wash away our sins and make us right with God. That's the one thing he was doing that night. He was teaching humility and service and sacrifice and service. Philippians 2 says he emptied himself to come and die on a cross that we may be made right with God, that we would know him as Lord and Savior. So he's the ultimate example of serving and sacrifice. So if you want to know what service looks like, you look at Jesus. And that means we all ought to be somehow, some way, somewhere washing people's feet. I'm not talking about literally, although sometimes that may be. But there's things we do that literally serve people. We operate from humility. Maybe we meet them at a point of need. And, and, and maybe we, um, we, 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 we fix food for them. Or maybe we uh, take them out to eat. Or maybe we show up and help them or cut their grass when they're sick. Or we do something to minister to people wherever they are, whatever the need is. These men needed their feet washed. And Jesus said, I'm here to do this. The lowest of jobs. See, we tend to think, well, I, I, I'll do some things, but I won't do others. Jesus said, I want you to do whatever it takes to minister to people. And there's the issue, isn't it? We kind of like to pick and choose. As a matter of fact, we've become a people who would rather be served than serve. And the tragedy in the 21st century church across America is we just want to be served most of the time. We, we want people to do something for us all the time. We make sure our needs are met. We become consumers. We kind of think, well, it's really all about me, and am I getting what I want, what I need, what I like? And then we neglect our responsibility and privilege to serve. When you come here on Sunday morning, I know you're saying, I need to get my cup filled, and hopefully that happens. But also, you need to be pouring into someone else's cup while you're here. You need to be figuring out how to minister, how to, how to bless someone today, how, how to go. And then as you discover need and opportunity to serve, you serve. You go, let me go help you. Let me minister to you. Let me love you. Let me make Christ real to you. And I'm concerned today because our churches, we are not seeing that. We're seeing a consumer mentality that says, I'm here, bless me, bless me, bless me. And we've forgotten how to be a blessing. Jesus said, let me show you something, guys. I don't care who you are. You're not too important to wash feet. Second thing I want you to get. Well, let me go there. I'll make this statement. To accept grace is to accept the vow to give grace. I read that quote somewhere. It's a great quote. quote, quote. Uh, uh, to accept grace is to accept the vow to give grace. He said, guys, when I wash your feet, I'm showing you grace beyond measure, and I want you to demonstrate that grace to others beyond measure. We serve others because the King of glory, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, served us on the cross. No boundaries to sacrifice. The second thing I want you to get is this. The expectations in serving can be fruitful and painful when working with people. Now, here's the other thing. We like to serve when it's fun. 
And I got to tell you, y'all do some great things of service here. I know just a, a, a series a week ago, our ladies put together a clothing giveaway, did an awesome job. Marsha and her team did an incredible job of getting clothes together, getting them ready, and we served people. Uh, they fixed them. They fixed them sandwiches, and we, we, we watched, uh, uh, again, reaching into the community where need is, and we served. And it was, it, let me tell you, it's work. I'm just going to tell you, it's hard work. You get here, you work long, you try to get close set up, you, you, you try to get them where they can find them, and, and all that. That's incredible. We will do other acts of service. We will do benevolence. We give out food. We do a lot of things that serve. Many of you have done kinds of acts of kindness, and, and you, you've helped people when they've been sick. You've kept up their yard, and you do things like that. It's awesome. I'm grateful. I get many of you send me cards of encouragement every once in a while or emails, and I appreciate that. I'm grateful for that. Those are all acts of service. But I want you to get this. We think sometimes everything, should, when we serve, we should, we should uh, somebody should be grateful for the service. Well, that ain't always how it is. Serving can be both fruitful and painful. What do you mean by that, Pastor? When you work with people, you get what people do. Jesus did not exclude a single disciple. Now, he says to these guys, I'm washing all your feet, but one of you is not clean. And he was talking about Judas. He said, one of you are not clean. He said, I'm washing everybody's feet. Now, the truth is, sometimes we determine whose feet we're going to wash and whose feet we're not. Meaning, we've determined who we're going to serve and who we're not going to serve. And if they're too much different from us or, or if we don't like how, what they do, we're going to not going to serve them. Jesus didn't do it that way. Guys, unsaved people act like unsaved people. Uh, I was having this discussion with the guy at Lifeway this yesterday, Friday. And we were talking about how things churches were doing in Cobb County and what's going on and, and how they go to Rome. And, and he said, you know, Pastor, I'm concerned we don't, we don't know how to reach lost people. And I, and I agree. We, we kind of, there was a time when everybody was kind of alike, so it was easy to invite people to church because we're all kind of alike. Now we're really not much alike. There's such diversity in people and how they think and look and so forth. But we're told to go into the lost world and compel people to come to the kingdom of God. And they may not look like us, talk like us, or smell like us, but we're told to go. And serve by invitation and by caring. And so, in the process, it's both fruitful and painful. Because you look at these guys, uh, fruitful. These, these men that he washed their feet would carry the good news of the kingdom to the world. They would carry the word, of, the word of grace to the world. You know that? I mean, these guys became preachers and missionaries. They were awesome. They became authors. They were incredible men. But not all of them. So, there, but let me tell you about this group of guys. He was washing the feet of guys who were immature, who were insecure, hot-tempered, struggling, fearful. They were all a work in progress. Now, the truth is, most of us would say, I'm not going to invest in those guys. They're immature. Well, I'm not going to invest in those guys. They're They're insecure. Oh, that guy, I'm not going to invest. You know, he's just hot-tempered. I'm not going to invest in him. 
if Jesus operated the way we do, he would have invested in none of us. Because we're all a work in progress. Hear me? We're all a work in progress. We got to go out there and and rub shoulders with people and minister to them and care about them and demonstrate that and, and how we respond to them. That's how grace works. That amazing moment of washing feet was an incredible act of grace to men who did not deserve it. But he said, guys, when I'm through with you, you're going to be pretty amazing. You're still a work in progress. You're going to mess up. I mean, look at the group of guys he had to deal with. There was Philip. When he tried to feed the 5,000, Philip said, it ain't going to happen. You can't. We got too many people. We ain't got enough food. He said, give me the food. Let me bless it. Philip's going, it ain't going to happen. You can see him now. I don't know what he's thinking. This ain't going to happen. But it did happen. He fed 5,000 people. But the doubter was in the room. Philip was always there. And then you had, you had James and John who were jockeying for position to be on the right and left hand of, of Jesus. Man, they're, they're trying to get position in the kingdom. And they're, they're kind of they're, they're uh, pushing the, the limits. They lobbied for position to be higher than the rest of the guys. He's washing their feet. And then you got Peter who tried to talk Jesus out of going to the cross. He ain't got a clue what's going on spiritually. And he's struggling and he's hot-tempered and he's going to cut a guy's ear off. He's going to deny Christ and Jesus is washing his feet. Do we get this picture? We keep thinking when, when people kind of get to a certain point or standard, I, I'm in. we got to meet them where they are. The rest of them would hide in fear during the crucifixion, except for John. He washed their feet, knowing all this. But it was fruitful because these men would become the carriers of the gospel. Peter would stand up on Pentecost and say, let me share with you what God, what this all means, how this works. And it's painful because some people never get it. You'll invest in people and it won't matter. He washed the feet of Judas and Judas would betray. Judas Judas never panned out. We will invest in people. We will serve people that will never respond the way we hoped. Truth is, if you serve people the way you're supposed to, you will carry some wounds the rest of your life from those who hurt you. That's just how life is. And you say, well, I don't want to get hurt. Well, then you'll never really be used to the, to the purpose God has called you. It's just part of it. And then there's you and me. We wash feet with grace because we accept grace with a vow to give grace. We follow his example. Can I tell you, when we operate by grace, grace doesn't mean we're blind to hurt and injustice. That doesn't mean we don't see things that are wrong. We certainly do. They need to be dealt with. Grace has expect, Grace expects agreements to be honored and behavior and, uh, to be moral and respectable. And sometimes there should be punishment when it's not. That's great. That's, grace doesn't give you a pass to just to be 
irreverent and irresponsible and ungodly. That's not what grace is. Grace meets you where you are with a hope a change would occur. When Peter washed those disciples' feet, he said, I'm doing this for you. You'll understand a little bit later on. Truth is, when we're being served, a lot of times we don't understand now, but God shows us things and we respond. Grace refuses to let poison, let poison affect the heart, chooses to forgive. Hebrews 12, 15 says this, and I'll read it to you. I can Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Service can be painful. You don't let it poison you. Reaching out to others can be painful and can hurt, but you don't let it poison you. We've all known Judases. They're all part of life. You go, okay. It doesn't stop from washing the next guy's feet and the next guy's feet. The last thing I want to share with you, the experience from serving is the forming and building of relationships. Simply put, when you serve, you build relationships like nothing else. I did a funeral Friday. I had the call and a longtime friend. She was in my first church at, at Wayside and church had seven people. The Sunday I preached my trial sermon, her and her family came to hear the new preacher, and they stayed. I'm forever grateful they stayed. Her name was Mary. Mary was an amazing woman. The church grew from seven to a hundred, not because of the preaching. You know why we grew? Mary was constantly inviting people to come. She started with her family, her friends, and her neighbors, and then acquaintances, and she just kept inviting people to come. You know what she would do? She would say, Let's, why don't you come to church Sunday and then come to my house and eat? She was a great cook. And she'd say, y'all come over, we're going to eat. She fed everybody. She fed, I mean, that's what she did. She served. She'd come in. She fed me every Sunday. We drove an hour to get to the church field. And after church, they wanted to come over the house. Got dinner, got dinner ready. And every once in a while, she'd, she'd show up on Sunday and say, I got something for you to take home. Well, what is it? I fixed you a lemon pie. Server. I've been over house many times, and she said, you, you know, hey, come stay with us tonight. Come up on, on Saturday night and stay. Don't drive on Sunday morning. She let people come and go and stay. She had two, two amazing sons. They, they were my first baptisms in my ministry. Today, one's a preacher and a deacon, and the other's just a real man of God. Got great families. She was a server. I mean, she served. She ministered. She cared about people. At the funeral, the place was full in Dallas, Georgia, and her pastor now, 
the, the, at, at Wayside, said, how many of you have been helped by Mary? Raise your hand. Guys, <laughs> whole place. Sometimes she gave money when she didn't have it. She gave when she couldn't, and she did things that she shouldn't, but she did. One of the easiest funerals ever preached. Because she, she knew she got this washing feet thing. She did. I, uh, the boys came up to me and said, you know, they kind of did old, old school at the funeral home. They were there from 9 to 9 on, on Thursday. And, and uh, they had church came in, and different churches brought food, and they had a place to eat at the funeral home. And, and uh, they brought a lot of food. And uh, there was another family there. It had been a tragedy. The man had committed suicide. His family's there. And, and they just kind of wandered back there and started eating the food. And so one of the guys came up to, to one of the sons and said, Now, some, these people that aren't a part of your family are back there eating the food. Uh, we're going to kind of ask them not to do that. I said, Oh, no, no, don't do that. Because if Mary was here, she'd say, Let them eat. Let them eat. No, 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 don't do that. <laughs> Let them eat. Guys, the world is looking for great service so they believe what we're saying. And our God is looking for great service because that's what he expects. And it's time we really realize how we're doing.